Hey, so before we get started, I wanted to talk to you guys about Disney Plus. Now, I know by now you've probably heard about Disney Plus, the new streaming service that includes Disney, Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, and National Geographic. With all these amazing brands in one place, Disney Plus has one of the most incredible libraries in the entire streaming landscape, and it's all ad-free. From classics like Snow White to today's blockbusters like Captain Marvel and Avengers Endgame, the content on Disney Plus is truly unparalleled. And if all that isn't enough, Disney Plus even has originals like The Mandalorian, the first live-action Star Wars series. So don't miss out. Go and sign up today and start streaming and tell them Hayes sent you. Welcome to another episode of the Awakened Soul Podcast. It's Hayes. We got a great show planned for you. We got a packed show, I should say, planned for you guys this week. Um, a lot of content. We'll be talking about the Joe Budden podcast situation only because, like, as a podcaster and, you know, someone who not only has followed Joe Budden's career as, in podcasting, but, like, Joe Budden is, was one of my favorite rappers at one point, and I think, um, you know, we'll, we'll get into the conversation of that, but it's, it's interesting how, like, some of the things that held back his solo artist career it's it's trickling its way into the podcasting thing um so i'll talk about that that's during the in the mind of hay segment and then we got your boy rod uh from the blunt effect podcast my little brother uh is joining the show this week we'll be talking about j cole's new album j cole's place in like hip-hop his legacy um and everything about and everything like that also will end the show with some talk about the Hall of Fame class and uh, just how that whole thing unfolded. So that's the show that we got planned for you guys this week. And I forgot my manners. Uh, if this is your first time following or listening to the podcast, make sure you're following us at Awaken So Pop. You can follow me personally at CEO Hayes at CEO H-A-I-Z-E. Welcome to the show. Um, yeah, that's it. That's all I got to say there. No more uh setting everything up we're gonna go ahead we're gonna get into our intro music then when we come back from that we're gonna jump into my dark and twisted crazy ass mind i'll see you guys right after this the following is a breaks media podcast you are now listening to the best podcast in the world the awakened soul hosted by my dad segment and so as i uh, said at the opening we'll be talking about this joe budden situation this is like one of the more most interesting uh things going on right now in the creative space uh, only because this is the, like a so anything that i say here i want to make sure that i set the foundation that this in no way stops joe from being a genius in what he was able to do and what they were able to build with that podcast the fact of like I, we always said, um, if you listen to the Breaks Radio, and even back when uh, Johnny and Ralph were on the Breaks Radio, we always talked about like Joe's rebrand from going from to from a rapper uh, to a creative and to a content creator specifically um, has been amazing. It's been huge. It's 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 something that I think we all in that creative space, whether you agree with Joe or not, you look 
you look up to it in a way because like what he was able to do with getting an exclusive Spotify deal at the time where exclusive deals like of that magnitude were very rare. Now that you see them being more common, I think Joe Rogan has one and a couple other podcasts have one. Like that was monumental, right? He broke ground with that podcast and like, especially being one of the first ones from that culture, from this culture, I should say, from this culture, uh, that were, that was able to do that really first ever. Like I said, I, I and I, I may be wrong if it's another podcast, like I don't listen to or whatever. Uh, but the Joe Budden podcast is one of the first ones that I can remember getting that exclusive deal when that was announced, that was huge. And so, you know, don't want to take away from, from that, uh, but the thing that I want to talk about, so Joe, they came out with an episode of the Joe Budden podcast, which was then taken out and then I think posted on Patreon, which is another smart business move. Uh, like I said, you can't take away from Joe Budden's business acumen. You can't take away from that. Um, and, you know, when that episode got got released, I think they said it was up for like an hour. And then, of course, as we know, if it's on the Internet, it's going to live forever. And that's probably why I did end up getting posted to Patreon. But you know, we started getting the clips and then full episodes and everything. And in this, like he went on quite a rant and I'm going to play the clip. I know everyone's probably heard it at this point, but just so it's not me paraphrasing and you actually get to hear Joe Budden for it, it from Joe Budden's mouth. Let's go ahead and get into that clip. Y'all go get it. Change the splits. Change the benchmarks. Hey, y'all go get a deal and bring it back. I'll take less. I'll take less, not much less, not much less, but I'll take less if y'all source it. Hey, y'all go get the advertiser and the integration. Hey, we talk about these deals all the time. You bring it, you eat different. I bring it, I eat different. You niggas ain't brought shit and got the nerve to have y'all fucking representation and ain't been around in six years, hit Ian phone about something. I won't say what I want to say. But y'all will not continue to treat me this way. Y'all not going to continue to treat these people this way. Y'all take that fucking dark energy, that arrogance, and that entitlement somewhere else. PTSD. I say all of that to say, we going to do this. Since Rory feels like he has so many options here. Somehow he still feels like he's running the show. He still feels like he has choices and options. He feels like he's entitled to more. Rory, you are in breach of your contract, and from this point forward, you are fired, and you're not welcome back. Does anybody in here have a problem that I'm the person that has to say that? No. Maul, I'm the person that has to say that. The gall of you to think that you are observing the way that I am. And so, you know, being Joe is clearly upset like regardless of whose side you believe or not we'll get into rory and mall and them coming out with the episode two um regardless of whose side you're on it's clear that that joe was upset he was frustrated um and he wanted to prove a point now uh like i said i'm i'm going to try to not get into like picking sides i'm just going to stick to the facts of this but like when you talk about you know when you get to the point of like having to air out the dirty laundry and then some i'm not going to play every clip but like him bringing up how Maul used to live with him. And like, once you start getting personal, like on that level, that's when, to me, it feels like these are more so feelings that have been bubbling for a while. 
more than just the business, right? The, this this is personal stuff going in, in there because in my mind, and as someone who's even worked with creators and, and had co-hosts that didn't do as much of the work that I did. Let's, and that's not a shot. That's the, the truth. Um, and, and, but when it, when it came to me, I took on the, the majority of that because I asked for them to join the podcast. So I didn't have an expectation of the work being equal. Um, but it can get frustrating at times. Um, and so I don't know if that's some of the frustration coming out now. Like I said, we'll get into Rory and Ma's, uh perspective in their, in their side of the story. But, you know, it, it Joe t- wanted to paint this picture like of A, it seemed like tearing them down, like on a personal level first. And then linking that back into the business of basically making it seem like they're not smart businessmen. And the thing that is kind of odd to me in this, Joe has been someone that's very voicious in this creative community of knowing your contracts, knowing things that are going into the business. So if you didn't instill that or make sure and be transparent in that, which, which your which your boys, like your friends, not just your, your, your business partners, but people who were friends to you and you know him saying that like nobody ever was checking for rory and so this is where we'll get into like the back and forth right so rory and maul came out with an episode again another smart business plan uh from them they came out came out with it on vimeo uh charged two dollars for it, but that two dollars was gonna go far because everyone wanted to hear their side of the story and so they on the flip side of of joe budden seemed very calm focused on the business focused on the facts of it didn't tear down down joe as a person very often now they did go into some of the things with with joe but they it it didn't get as personal i feel like on the joe button side again not really taking sides on it um and ultimately when you have a profit sharing plan you have to know the ins and outs they said it and in asking that it shouldn't have been any problems when it starts seeming like frustration comes out. And this is for anyone. This is outside of the Joe Bud. If you're in a business deal with somebody and when you start asking questions, if it starts seeming like tension comes from questions being asked, not accusations being thrown, but just questions about the business, where it's where it's being held, the numbers, whatever else. I talk very often about I more so talk about analytics, but knowing your numbers not just out not just the download numbers, but knowing the actual analytics, the ins and outs. If it gets to a point to where you're asking that and tension comes from that, that would raise a red flag. That should raise a red flag for anyone, in my opinion. Um, and so this came came off when Rory and Mile came out with their um, their side of it. It really came like they had questions about the way that business was ran. Now, where I said before that some of the things that, that seem now that we have all this, like Joe has a always been somebody who admitted admittedly self-destruct situations he's very self-destructive hell i think one of his whole albums was built or was talking about his tendency to be self-destructive and so when you have somebody who is admittedly with that and when you look at like for anyone who's actually followed his rap career you know at one point he was def jam's golden child like def jam thought that they were going to have the next huge artist that they were going to ride out for the next 10 years that was going to be big for them when they when they got Joe Budden. That relationship soured, I think, by the time of his second album because of Joe, and maybe it, would have, it was even before then, but because of Joe's hot-headedness, because of Joe's... Joe Budden, like I said, I want to make sure that I say this because I am a fan of Joe Budden, is a creative genius, but sometimes with that geniusness, 
comes problems. Joe is very narcissistic. When you look at like Joe's history, outside of like music career, his relationships, uh, you know, every almost partnership that he has has had some tension because of Joe's self-destructive nature. People in Slaughterhouse have talked about it. They make sure that they still say that he's a, their brother. Royster Five Nine has been very boisterous on like how sometimes he's he's the like he had to bump heads with Joe to get Joe to realize certain things. So this is something, and this is the problem where when people somebody comes out with an initial story, and because of their fandom to that, they take that as truth and run with it. Now, when Maul and Rory came out with their podcast and their side of the story, it started filling in some of those holes that Joe Budden, you know, it seemed like he wanted to talk around things. That's my personal opinion. It may not be yours. Now, the way that that all like boiled down and, and end up turning out like it, it ultimately just sucks for the culture. Right. We talk about ownership a lot on the breaks radio. Joe Budden's talked about ownership a lot. And, you know, he said it was a good run. But then they released the episode, I think, like a day or two later. So it doesn't seem like the Joe Budden podcast is going to be stopping. And it shouldn't. Like, as long as Joe Budden's around and he wants to do it and he can find people to co-host with him, he should continue that podcast. Because at this point, like, that means something. But when we get into, like, Rory and Mal's portion of it and Joe's seemingly reluctantness to be transparent about the business, where that can hurt at, and this is what... You know, even when Charlemagne kind of talked about it, it's funny that Joe has been someone that's been so open and saying, know your deals and talked about business and everything. And now Joe Button has this network. Now, as a creative, would that make you hesitant to partner with Joe Button with these accusations and, you know, things being out? What does that now do to the Joe Button network? We know that like a, there are a lot of he's built that youtube channel and that network out with some dope creatives and dope show concepts and everything but does that cause now people to start wondering and second guessing their business dealings with joe button do we see a fall from that i'm not i'm not calling that i hope not i hope like you would think that um that the creatives that work with them are smart enough and you know a lot of them have are already established with other shows that they're smart enough to be on top of their deal so that way they're protected regardless of how things go but i think when you start seeing how this kind of fell out or works out like Joe Button's criticisms about the Black Podcast Network and the deal with iHeartRadio, Charlemagne, and you know, Drink Chaps, not like like it, all that when that came out. It's like, but you didn't even have your boys back, right? And then you know, Maul told a story about Joe Button and Joe, you know, saying, "Look, I look, I sold it out. Look at look at the line that I got." And you would like, no, it's us. Like regardless of and I and there's this big conversation about like the name of the podcast being the Joe Button Podcast. We understand why that is, but regardless, when you work with some with people, when you have co-hosts that are show up every week like you show up, um, you can't just put that on them. And Mom made a great point when Joe Button's music career, he wasn't selling out those arenas. And we, I think, we forget sometimes that what makes rappers so great is the the arrogance. How I talked about that, all creatives I feel have a touch of narcissism. Now it's more out of control with some with some of us than others but if like if if what maul and rory said is taken as truth and joe felt that the success of the podcast was because in part because of his music career you can't deny that that's a part of it he was part of one of the the best and most respected rap groups in in recent memory in slaughterhouse even if you don't know joe B button's solo career so like yes he came in with some form of a built-up audience but you can't say that, that like Joe Button's 
album sales to what the podcast was able to do. Even if 100% of the people who listened and were a huge fan of Joe Budden's music supported the podcast, it still wouldn't uh, a- amount to that type of success for that podcast. It has to be more than that. And Rory and Maul were, were a part of why that podcast was successful. The dynamic was part of the reason why that podcast was successful. Now, Joe has replaced them with people he also has personal relationships, so maybe that dynamic on the show continues to go forward, but... What does that what questions does that raise for people who want to work with Joe Button going forward? Do you know and shout out to Tahoe, uh, who is great for this culture. Uh Tahoe TV, by the way. If you listen to me, I'm sure you guys listen to him. Um, but you know, in, in his video, he talked about like what does that mean for Joe going forward? And you know, I, I, I would hate to see the podcast um fail or go down. Um, I don't think that is going anywhere. Like if it's one of the, like, yeah, they, he may lose some listeners to this. Um, but this is why I think for me too, like, and this is where I'll start making an introspective rather than just the Joe, but, and I want to hear you guys' opinion on this, like, and stuff. But for me, this is why like the awakened soul has always been so important to me for people who are like, why do you have so many of the podcasts? Like, because because I have my own outlet, because I have the awakened soul, which is just my podcast, it makes it easier for the breaks radio it makes it easier for the film frequency it makes it easier for my brother's keeper um because if me and jb have any disagreements on something that we want to cover or how we do it i'm more inclined to give them that like unless i feel like it's gonna hurt the show fuck if jb wanted to like yeah we did a bollywood movie i knew nothing about bollywood movies but that's my brother that's my guy and because i have an outlet in the awakened soul that's just mine if we disagree on something, if we bump heads on something, I have no problems going with a. I trust JB wholeheartedly. So even if it's something that I see, I think may not be successful, I'm going to trust him regardless. But if it came to something that I wanted to do versus something he wanted to do with the film frequency, nine and a half times out of ten, I'm going to be a hundred percent fine going with whatever he wanted to do because if he didn't want to cover a movie on the film frequency that I just wanted to talk about. I have this outlet of the awakened soul that I could talk about it. Um, same with brother, my brother's keeper, same with the breaks radio, the breaks radio. If you've noticed over the last like year, year and a half, especially now that we've added marquee as well, like it's taken on its whole new shape. And that's not because of me. That is, I can't take the recent success and growth of the breaks radio is a hundred and 22% because of our dynamic. It's not because of me and my built-in audience that I brought. It's not because of Baylor and his built-in audience. It's not just because of Mary and what and the legitimacy she adds to the podcast by being somebody who worked at BET and Hot 97. It's not just because of Marquis and his amazing music mind. It's a culmination of all of that. And like I said, if there was for a reason something I wanted to cover that they didn't, we're going to go with what they wanted to do. And and you know you heard joe budden criticize maul and rory for not really creating their own separate podcast outside the joe budden podcast and that really kind of seemed like a well if you got your own you wouldn't be worried about what's going to me again um but i hope that these guys now are going to be doing a consistent podcast because maul and rory a they have a great dynamic but they maul is funny as fuck they do have a, a certain level of of being knowledgeable about things in the culture their voices are needed i think in this community and in this culture and you know some people disagree with me on that and that's fine but i would hate to see people who have now learned what being a creative is to not have it and ultimately what i would say is that 
you know, we see it all the time. We see podcasts break up. We see people who had friendships for years when they get into this creative space and try to create something together. It goes to shit. The friendship gets lost or whatever else. Hell, it's happened in, in me just to be transparent Um, with me and AJ. Like, but ultimately, I think that if you have your own on top of what you're doing, it makes the business side of a joint venture that much easier. Um, And so that's just me speaking from my experience. But, you know, that's it. Uh, that's all we got uh, for this week's In the Mind of Hay segment. I really just, you know, wanted to talk about it and work through it overall uh, to myself and, and everything else. But, you know, ultimately, I think if for some reason the Joe Budden podcast stopped tomorrow, they don't release any more episodes, whatever, that run is one of the greatest runs in this podcast. And podcasting is still relatively in its infancy. Yes, it's been around for, what, almost 20 years at this point probably more like 10 or 15 yeah probably more like yeah i'm fucking 35 so yeah probably more like 10 or 15 um but it's still developing but they had one of the greatest runs of all time on that podcast and you know when you look at like joe's relationships and why they fall out let's not forget that the joe budden podcast started off with marissa and rosenberg right was it rosenberg and that fell apart right and because of some of the same reasons Joe had beef with one of the members. He fired uh, Marissa when it didn't have anything to do with her. She's come out and kind of, of course, now people want to interview her and talk about it. Like we, you can acknowledge somebody's greatness. You can still acknowledge that you've learned so much from some somebody while also taking accountability. Well, not accountability, but for taking, taking in, in, into account their toxic nature to a degree. And I know the word toxic has been overused, but their negative sides as well. If we're going to step away from the word toxic, Joe self-destructs and you know we'll never know 100% of the story there no matter how many versions stories episodes they come out with that we will never know 100% of the story but when you take all that into consideration there's probably problems and faults on both sides and very often it's easy right when when something falls apart when something breaks apart to only acknowledge the other person's part in the issue right that, that it's natural right it's natural because it's it's if you're talking and communicating an issue or a problem or a fallout it's easier and it probably comes to mind first to talk about the other person's part in it but if you really are honest you played a part in it as well now maybe the part isn't as big that's that can be determined throughout the story but both sides always play a part in why something falls and I hope that when people listen to this, it's not just taken as like a blindly Maul and Rory right or bl- blindly Joe's right. The truth is, is that it's it's you take all the stories and information in. Everybody probably had a fault, whether it's communication, whether they could have been more boisterous or been more stern on needing certain information rather than taking it and ride with it, which is something that, you know, Rory and Maul admitted, especially Rory saying, you know, he kind of just rode with stuff sometimes to keep Joe from flipping the fuck out. And that's never good either. You can't allow somebody's emotional state or inability to handle certain things to make you step back from information that you need. So keep that in mind as well. But that's it during this kind of lengthy in the mind of Hayes segment. We're going to go ahead. We're going to get into a break. On the other side of this break, you'll be hearing me and Rod. and We'll be talking about J. Cole's new album and career, career overall. I'll see you guys there. Being a mom is probably the most rewarding thing that I've ever done. I have my own company, but I'm a mom first. A younger mom, it's not an experience like any other. When you're young, you're growing with your kid. You're growing into that identity. 
developing and creating a community of moms that are basically sharing information with one another so that we can be stronger moms. Perfect imperfection, beautiful chaos, doing the best you can every day, falling down nine times but getting up ten. As long as you are led by love, you kind of can't lose. Moms coming together to share information so that we can be great parents for our, our children. Us being the change we wanted to see in the world. Yum came into existence. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? We already hyped it at the top of the show. We got my boy Rod from the Blunt Effect Podcast in the building. Uh, yes, sir. So this, this is this, this. We set this up. I think what the day that J Cole announced the album, we set up this uh, this recording together. Uh, I feel like I've been waiting to get you back on the podcast. Uh, I feel like this is a good, it's a good, fun, lighthearted one to go into. Not only to review the album, but because we can kind of talk about like. Especially since now he's talking about, you know, he may step away from music for a while, like J. Cole's ultimate place in the game and everything. And so we're going to start off here because it'd be easy to just jump into the album. Let's let's set the stage first. J. Cole, amongst rappers right now, where do you rank J. Cole as, as far as right now? As far as right now, when you put everything together... He has to be, I feel like he's like a Kendrick. Like he's on a level that nobody else is on. Like you got your Drakes, you got your, you know, you got your Futures, your Lil Wayne's, you got your your mega stars and your superstars. But then you have those Jay-Z type rappers, like the Nas's and the rappers that you can't really put anybody else in that lane or in that category, but one or two other rappers. And I feel like that's a special category to be in. I feel like that's where J. Cole is. Like he's at the top of his game. Mm -hmm. He's one of the, if not the top lyricists right now. I feel like Kendrick is probably the only person that you can even put in that category with him right now as far as lyricism and just the production of their projects. So I definitely think J. Cole is a top rapper. But then again, you know, you got to think of the standpoint from where we are in life versus a lot of these young cats. So, you know, I think that's where it separates a lot of the people that listen to J. Cole, even though he has a lot of listeners, you still have a lot of these 19, 20 year old kids that still just have a, a wide following just because of a lot of kids are young nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely think like, it, it's funny because, you know, J. Cole had the song middle child. And I think that that's, that's where he is in the game. If you look, he's sandwiched between, even though, you know, as far as an, a pure rapper, I don't have Drake ranked high, but if you look at like what he's where he's sandwiched between, it's Drake, Cole, and Kendrick, and Cole, uh, Cole came between those two. Now the reason why, and everybody knows this, if you've been listening to me for a while, Kendrick's my favorite rapper, period, right now. But I will say this: taking my personal fave like out of the equation, you kind of have to rank Cole maybe higher than Kendrick because he's more consistent than Kendrick. Cole drops every two years. Kendrick drops Thanks. every three to four years, and he completely drops off the face of the earth. Yeah, when he's no not, idea when he, where when he is. Exactly, when he's not coming out with an album. Between Cole's albums, it's features all over the place, and he kills every feature. So I think, like, and then when, when you add into the in, into the fact that 
Not only does Cole produces his own his own full albums, he very rarely has features at all. This album, we'll get into it, he has more features than what he had in a while, and he finally didn't produce every track on the album, which I think helped. But, you know, you have to... It's rare that you have somebody who can produce, come out with albums, and not rely on features and stay at the level that J. Cole has been able, been able to stay at since Jesus... I mean, his debut album dropped in 2011, but if you want to go above that, Friday Night Lights dropped 2009 ish, and that yeah. was a fucking classic too. Like I, I yeah. own Friday Night Lights on vinyl, bro. Like this shit was hard as fuck Word. to find on vinyl. So like, you, 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 I, I think we, it's easy because we've gotten used to it with with uh with Cole as far as him producing his own albums, but I think we don't really slow down and realize. How much that really fucking takes as an artist, bro. Exactly, exactly. And I feel like, um, I really feel like I seen the hunger, you know, like when he first came out with Friday Night Lights. And I don't know if you've seen the little, uh, I think it was like a 12 minute documentary he he did on this, yeah. on this album. Uh, you can see the hunger in him. You can see where he felt like, I know where I'm at in the game. Like, I know how, I know what I've accomplished, but there's just something that I'm missing. Like, it's like, just like Kobe felt on the basketball court when he won championships. And it's just like, you still, like, it's not enough. And that's what I liked about it the most is the fact that he knows he's accomplished, but he still got that hunger and that fight to still come out with the best production and the best music and try and outdo his last project. Whereas, you know, a lot of people, they just, they have so much music that they've recorded. They just pick songs and put them together. They don't even really try to come up with a concept. And I, and I feel like J. Cole still finds that fire and still finds that desire to come up with a creative concept and always leave some type of gem on you at the, at by the time you finish listening to his album. Definitely. Definitely. Like Cole, Cole, Cole doesn't take the easy layups when it comes, when it comes to this music thing and him keep trying to like one up himself. He he really feels like he's in competition with only himself in the, in the way that I look at it. Like it, there's two ways to go about it. There's one way of being, it's, it can get into a negative space. I, I use Kanye as an example of that to think that you're your only competition and you don't have to refine and continually evolve. Or then you have have on the flip side of that, J. Cole, where it's like he knows he's his only competition, but because of that, it pushes him to like continually try new shit. Like if you if you listen to KOD and then listen to the, to this album, they almost sound like they could be from two different artists because he's at a different place in his artistry, and and it makes it feel feel like something special, man. So. I mean, I don't know how you want to attack this album review. I don't want to like go track to track. I really just want to talk about it. But the fact that this album started off with Cameron's voice, bro, oh, was so bro. fucking unexpected. Like that was Ooh. the last thing I expected at all when I started playing that album. Even it really the beat was produced by Boy Wonder, but it sounded like an old school Dipset beat. And that shit was yes, fucking, like that set the vibe for the album. What did you think about that? Man, bro, when I first when I heard that, I thought Cameron was going to rap on it. <laughs> like I was I was hoping I'm like, yo, I hope Cam rap on this shit, but he didn't, but it's cool, but when I first heard it, I'm like, oh shit, like this is this is what he's starting it off. This is how he's going to start it off. Like, oh man, I I'm not skipping nothing. Like I'm listening to the whole album and I did that. And um I think the album was great, bro. Like, I think that first, that first, like you said, the first song with Cameron set it off. Um, 
he had a couple other songs on there that I really, that I really, really enjoy. Like, um, matter of fact, applying pressure that had like a nice Wu Tang feeling to it, yeah. in my opinion. And I, I fuck with that one a lot and let go of my hand that I fuck with that one a lot just because it talks about, you know, just real life situations and just things that regular people go through, which is what Cole has been known for in all of his albums. But I feel like this one was more personal. You know what I mean? I feel like this one, you know, like the last one of 2014 Forest Hill Drive kind of, I feel like every album he comes out with has that one club song. You know what I mean? He doesn't come out with too many club songs. He always has that one song that's a radio hit or something. And I feel like this album, I don't know which one it would be because every one of them is that good. Yeah, I mean, he, he with this album, and this is the thing with Cole, like, and I, why I was glad when he came out with the track list and what, who was producing what, I was happy that he stepped away from producing every song on the album. He produced five tracks on a on a 12-track album, so less than half. But because I, I feel like when you hear Cole on other people's music, it brings out a different side of him. I feel like when he's producing his whole full album's, and we know he writes his own shit. Like for, I, I feel like stagnant usually gets like this negative connotation, but I feel like it starts all like, I, I don't. It doesn't push him. I guess outside of his comfort zone, when it's when he's rapping on other people's beats, I feel like he gets more experimental with his rhyme flows, and I think that's that's highlighted on tracks like Amari, which is produced by Timberland. Which shout out to shout out to Timberland on that one. And then like you said, the let go of my hand shit, like. First of all, he got black on on that motherfucker, and that's that that's my name. Yeah. Like that's just that that's one of the people that I that I love in general, and like I I really feel like Cole bringing bringing out we, we got so many different sides, so many different styles of rap from him. You know, people yeah. people la- like to label him for some reason it's boring i've never personally seen j cole as a boring rapper but the way that i take that and internalize that is that he see it seems so effortless in what he does like cole is always flip styles but it always seems so effortless with him and on this album it seemed like it seemed like he was flexing his muscle more like uh shout out to to baylor who like he always calls j cole the hip hop Tim Duncan, meaning that you know he's gonna get you twenty and ten, but it's gonna, mm-hmm. but you won't even notice how he got you twenty and ten. But at the game, when exactly. you look at the stat sheet, with this one, I feel like this was that. This is that game. If we're gonna use that sports analogy, that it's like you will always remember this. It, it may not be your favorite J Cole album, but you're gonna remember this album if you're a true hip hop fan because it's it's something special about this. Facts, bro. And I really, I think J. Cole is one of the few artists that have that, you know, had that characteristic about him where his music is long, has longevity. And I feel like a lot of artists, the difference between Cole and a lot of artists is that their music is just temporary. You know what I mean? You still, you can still go back and bump Friday Night Lights today. And it still hit the same way it did when it first came out. Just like you can go back and bump 2014 Forest Hill Drives, KOD. You can go back and bump any J. Cole. And I feel like this album is just another one of his classic albums. Like, four years from now, we're still going to bump this, even if he doesn't come out with another album ever, or if he comes out with no more songs. We're still going to bump this, just like all the other albums, just like it just came out. And that's what I love about J. Cole, besides the fact that he's from North Carolina, and that's where I'm at. But... um. That's what I like about J. Cole is the fact that he's from North Carolina because when you think about a North Carolina rapper or a North Carolina artist, you think about somebody like the baby or like your Petey Pablo. Like you don't think about somebody that comes with the lyricism and the style and the flow and the, the versatility that J. Cole has. And I think that's 
why he's one of the most underrated rappers because you know of because of where he's from. He's from North Carolina. People don't think about that. If he was from you know New York or somewhere like that, then he might be noticed a little bit more. But when people put North Carolina and J Cole together, they don't the, the two don't mix. And I that's what I love about his style is because number one, that's I like lyricism and I like versatility. So that off gate was just like, you know, it caught my attention. Then the fact that, you know, like I said, he's repping this, repping the town, you know, I can't help but to kind of follow him and, and see where he goes because he's one of the few that's really putting on in the hip hop community for the South in general, as far as lyricism. Oh yeah, for sure. I think like generally like people from the South, like they don't expect lyricism from him. And then like, when you get it, people try to like sweep it under the rug. Like for example, like uh sci the Prince, one of the, best lyricist period like he he talked about how like def jam was like what are you doing like give us a trap song he's like i don't make trap music what are you talking about and 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 then like uh who else i want to use big crit like crit is a fucking masterful lyricist right but people don't really think about it it took for mount olympus for people to really start realizing no crit got bars like exactly like no crit has bars and so it's for cold i think it was different for him because he came out from under Jay. I think if he would have got on any other record label, he would have had a harder path to be accepted yeah. for the lyricist that he is. But because of who he signed to, Jay empowered him to just be him. And we saw on on Cole's uh, first album, you know, Cole, sideline story is, is dope, right? But I think you could see a young guy who was trying to maybe do what people expected from him more than find his own path. And then literally from that, after that album, everything has been cold, evolving every album after that. So uh, what do you, what do you, what, what's your personal, what do you have at, at like your top three cold albums? And where does this rank amongst those? Um, My top three cold albums, bro, I would definitely probably say uh, KOD would be number one. Um, I still listen to Revenge of the Dreamers, bro. Like mm-hmm. real shit. Yeah. I still listen to Revenge of the Dreamers part two, and I think that one was dope as hell, just because of the features in the in his own camp, like Boz and all those guys, Boz and Kai. So I like those guys too. I think Revenge of the Dreamers would definitely be my second one. Um, and the third, uh, honestly, I would probably say the off season the third. Honestly, just because like when I first listened to the album, bro, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. I feel like a lot of people. They have their different perceptions. When I first listened to that album, I didn't, I couldn't, I didn't know how I felt about it. Yeah, I feel it. I, and I, and I, I got a similar story. Go ahead. I'll, I'll get into mine like, next, but go ahead. When I listened to it, I was just like, ah, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I like this more than any of his other music that he's dropped or if it just kind of sounds the same. It didn't sound the same because I could tell his difference in flows on each song. But it, at first, I was just like, I don't know. Like, it's not what I was ex- expecting. I can say that. I was expecting, like, maybe he's going to have a couple. Like, when I heard that uh, that Mike Jones freestyle, I'm like, oh, shit, this nigga going to fuck around and have some some crazy shit on here. Like, and then when he came out, I'm just like, oh, okay. Well, I mean, sounds like J. Cole. I mean, it's not bad. You know, it's not his worst. But when I listened to it at the second time, I was like, yo, like, this shit is fucking dope. Like, when you really listen to every lyric and every song and how he puts it together, that album is really fucking dope because in all of his other songs, he always, like you said, he produced his own music and it's like, he ha- he was just having fun with 
rapping on top of his own music before. And then when you hear this album, it's like you can tell the difference. Like you said, it's like he's in competition with himself. It's like, okay, I got this Wu-Tang type beat. So I'm about to rap like them. I'm about to switch my style up. Or, okay, I got this can, I got this dipset type beat. I'm about to switch my style up and rap different on this one. And I got this type of beat, and I'm going to rap different on this one. So he's not always sticking to that same flow like he did in the past. Yeah. For me, for me, much like what you said, so... And just the, I'm going to set the stage for this first. So the way that I consume music is that content always comes before everything to me, right? Everything. Like, what are you talking about? Like, so oftentimes with that, the way that I listen to music and consume music, it takes for me to listen to it a few times for it to really sit with me. And a perfect example of that is Damn. Damn is one of my favorite albums of a decade, right? The first two times I listened to Damn, I was highly disappointed by Damn. Like I like from Kendrick, I was super disappointed by Damn, and it took for me. I think it was on like a third or fourth listen where I think I finally was able to slow down. I wasn't listening to it in the car. I was like in my house, headphones, just focused on it, and I was like, "Oh wait a second, now Kendrick is talking about some shit here." And so mm-hmm. now then that became my second favorite Kendrick album. Same thing with this. When I listened to this first, I was like. All right, it's cool. It's cool. I'm like, I, I had tweeted in like my group chat. I'm like, I'm not overwhelmed. I'm not underwhelmed. I'm just whelmed with this. It's a cool album. Um, I still think I have KOD ranked above this. Uh, uh, Four Hills Drive is my favorite uh, J Cole album. That's just it's for something. It's something about where I was in my in my in my life as a man, and that album that that album. That that place could never be that album's place could never be challenged because it spoke to me where I was at that time, and so I think I have this ranked as as Cole's third best project. Um, like I said, after Forest Hills Drives, KOD, then this, and if you want to add in Friday Night Lights, that shoots up to the number one spot. Uh, but I think for me, like the content in KOD is better because if you go back and listen to it, like he was talking about some shit that we still don't get talked about very often, financial literacy understanding money like these are things that we need to have conversations about in our community and he was rapping about it at a time where you know people are now talking about cryptocurrency and talking about dodgecoin because that's the fad right that's what's talking Mm -hmm. that's, that's what the major thing is so now people have a new interest for it and i think for me with albums if they're as relevant years later like atm is as relevant nowadays because of people having a renewed interest in cryptocurrency and shit so like if you go back and listen to it so uh that that's just how i kind of consume music but the off season i think is going to be one of those albums though that i can admit that i probably will like it more and more as the years goes on because he is he's talk he he is being open about where he sees himself as a man on this album and that and as an artist. And so even, like you said, that documentary, that 12-minute documentary, like, that shit had me hyped like crazy watching that. Because that's Cole in a way. Yeah. We don't, like, when, the way that he was talking about the music, you can tell, like, he felt this one was special. So yeah. it, it makes you more hyped for it. Oh, yeah, big facts. And, like, like I said before, like, you could see the hunger. Like, you could, you could hear it and just feel it like when you were listening to him when he was just talking was just like certain things that he was saying to in my opinion that that just made him feel like he wanted like this might be his last album but who's who's to say that it's not like we all know that he he's just like any other artist like any other creative and we all have 
stuff in the chamber. You know what I mean? We all have different types of things that we got going on. So I feel like, will this be J. Cole's last album? Who knows? Like, at this point in his career, you know, he's got Jay-Z as his manager. So he's pretty much making boss moves at this point. He's no longer, you know, at that point in his career where he feels like he has to come out with music consistently to feed the people and to show everybody, hey, I'm J. Cole and this is what I'm talking about. Like, at this point in his career, he... He's like like a Kendrick. Like he's coming out, except like you said, he's more consistent than Kendrick. But as far as dropping the music when you want to drop it, pushing it how you want to push it, having the marketing scheme that you want to have, and it's not too, it's nothing, it's never anything too extravagant. It's always like some last minute shit. Like, and I feel like that's what gives everybody the rush. Yeah. Like when you you drop that documentary three days before your album comes out. And then you drop the freestyle literally like the with the same day or the day after. It's like, oh shit. And this album comes out Friday. Oh man, I'm staying up. I'm staying up Thursday night. Fuck going exactly. to bed. I'm listening to that shit because that's exactly what I did. Yeah, yeah. And Cole, like you said, Cole is one of the rare it's Cole. It's really okay, as far as rap, we won't count R and B. As far as rappers, not the greats, like not the all time greats, but like Drake, Nicki Minaj, Kendrick, Cole, uh, probably Future are the only ones who could drop, they could literally, no press, no anything, drop an album on a, on a random day, and motherfuckers going to stay up and listen to it. Like, period. And I love which, where you went with that, too, because, like, we don't talk about Cole as a businessman enough. Because Facts. he's not the type of businessman that is going to be front and center all the time. He really puts his artists in the position, and he lets them ride. Unless, like, with the Dreamers, He's and even then, like he he picks songs strategically, and he and he always pairs himself with the artist that maybe needs a little bit more shine. And I think we mm -hmm. even even people who aren't necessarily his artists look at like Reason, the Baby, Luke. These are motherfuckers that he put on that were all through the the Dream Last Dreamers albums that needed that rub. And people like he did more for Reason to be more publicly known than what TDE has, to be honest. Facts, and facts. We, we, don't, we don't think about that. But Cole, as a businessman, let's just look at some of the artists that are underneath him. First off, Earth Gang, which is a fucking dope group. Uh, facts. Ari Lennox, who fucking is amazing, right? Cos. Facts. Uh, he's not as well mainstream known, but I think for hip-hop heads, a lot of them know and appreciate Cos because that Cos yeah, effect Kaz album got some dope, amazing. Yeah. He's got um, some dope music. Yeah, and then one of my personal most underrated rappers, period, is J.I.D. J.I.D. is so fucking dope, bro. Yeah, hell yeah. So It's just uh, definitely dope. Yeah, I mean, Cole as a businessman, and then that's not even counting in the Dreamville Festival, like, which I need to make it to at some point. I got to go to one, bro. I can't, I can't miss out on, on another one. Like, so Cole as a business, he's really developed a nice platform platform and base for his artists and himself that if he does step away from music whether it's to focus on basketball or just to focus on getting his artists out there more his his the effect that he's had in music is going to be one we continue to feel whether he's releasing new music or not facts facts i definitely agree with you bro he just has uh i feel like now he's especially it's like when you hang around jay-z it's like bosses hang around bosses yeah. and when you get within you know, a certain group of people or a certain circle of people, you do nothing but pick up on 
how they move. And I feel like when you have somebody like Jay-Z as your manager, you know, you can't help but to pick up those moves. And I mean, J. Cole is his own artist, his own man. He was already strategic in his, his own way. But when you got somebody like Jay-Z by your side and we know you, you know, you got the talent, you got your own setup, you got your own label. So you don't need no capital. You got your own bread. Like you can do a lot more in this game when you, when you're not, you know, looking for a label to just put money into your pocket and fund the whole, the whole thing. Yeah. And I mean, you you don't hear any controversy come out with Cole and his artists either. Everyone seems happy over there. And like, like I said, he empowers them. Like you, you, I mean, there's so many like artists own labels now that sign people. And then like, they never release a project. Everyone who signs to Dreamville has released music. They've, they're not in stuck in development hell where there's like this album that we've been waiting to come out for five and six years is just never dropping so like that it's it's j cole is he's a special talent bro he's he he just is like i overall um and so it's it's just funny to me when when people like we we forget and you know earth gang i think actually has an album coming out this year as well um but yeah j cole is a fucking legend bro that's all I can say with it. Hell yeah, big big facts, big facts. So I got a I got a question for you, bro. What's your favorite song on this album? <sighs> Man, um, bro, I don't know. It's the shock of it because I because okay, so I, I I'm somebody who can separate my favorite from what I think is the best song on the album. My favorite okay. song on the album is "95 South" because okay. like you said, the thing that could have made that better. Is let, let let why couldn't Cam at least get eight bars? Like let's exactly. get let's get let's get like, some bars. Like, I need I need a remix of this album with with Dipset and Cole on it. Like that's what I need. Um, Thanks from from this track. But ninety five South is probably my favorite song from this album. What I think is the best song from this album is um I like I love my life, but I think applying pressure is probably my what I think is the best song on this album. Okay, okay, okay. I definitely agree with you on the 95 South. I, I feel like that song is like every real hip hop head is going to gonna be their favorite song. They're yeah. going to be like, yo, that when I heard Cam, when I heard that killer, I just was like, stop everything. Like, yeah. let's listen to what Cameron's got to say. Who gives a fuck if he don't say shit? Like, he know he didn't say shit. J. Cole know he didn't say shit, but it didn't matter. It was just the. You know, just the the hip hop history and the aura of just having his presence on that album is what just made the made the uh, the vision of the album. It just kind of already gave you that anticipation. So, like you said, I think '95 South is the is my favorite song, but the best song I really like uh, "Pride Is the Devil." I think that was a good okay. one. Like I had I listened to that one a couple of times just listen to the different types of scenarios and how people, how these scenarios are so true. And that, I felt like that was probably the best song in my opinion, or either, or either close, close is a good one too. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you, do you think that this album is going to be one that the mainstream appreciates as much? Cause listening to this, like there's not really that many that I, I can't think of that one song that's going to be like, the one that you, like middle child you knew that was going to be played on the radio all the time Facts. I, really feel, I, I feel like all of these songs could be played on the radio but as far as like something that you hear if you listen to the radio for an hour or two a day you hear that song get played like three or four times i don't know if this album has that type of song and therefore it's like i'm so detached from like what mainstream listens to 
nowadays that I don't I don't know. I could be way off base. I just don't see anything being like that one mainstream hit off this album. Facts, bro. And I feel like when I first listened to that album, that I think that's what I was looking for. And that's why I didn't appreciate it. Just like you said, I didn't appreciate it as much the first time around because I wasn't I didn't hear that mainstream song. And then when I listened to it again, I appreciated a lot more because it was beyond what the mainstream is. You know what I mean? It was just those little, just appreciating J. Cole for the versatility and the characteristics of him being an artist. And to answer your question, bro, yes, I think like, I feel like this album would not be a pre, I'm sorry, no. I said yes, but I meant no. I don't think this album will be appreciated by the mainstream just because I feel like mainstream is all like party music and hype music, amp music, and it's just all about turning up and doing whatever. And I feel like J. Cole didn't talk about none of that in his album, like, and or in any of his albums. To be, you know, to be honest, like everything he talks about in his albums are always like life lessons or true stories or things that's really happening to him or has happened to somebody around him or has happened to me or you because I know every album he drops, there's a song that I'm listening to and I'm like, damn, I'm going through that shit right now. Yeah. Like, damn, it's crazy. It's like that nigga's right here. Like he is every album. So and I feel like you don't have that with the mainstream. The mainstream is gonna play what's gonna have everybody dancing in the club, getting drunk, spending all their money and all that kind of shit. And this album is just not that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, what what was your most disappointing track on this album? Uh, most disappointing. I think I would have to say. I think I would have to say. Oh, I don't know, bro. Like, it's hard to really say that. I don't know if I honestly. I feel like I would have to listen between two. I have to listen between the climb back and hunger on hillside. Between okay. them two. Okay. Here, here's my here's my issue with I have issues with both of those songs and and so the climb back I feel like the climb back is a it's a it's a it's a dope song right but I feel like because it was released so long ago it's like that didn't have to be here bro like like, like didn't that's that's like song has to be like close to a year old I feel like at this Shags, point Shags. like it didn't have to be on there and then hunger on hillside we got boss on this album three times he's on three different tracks and. I feel like on an album where you don't have very many features, I don't understand why he needed to be on three on three different tracks. And I feel like this was the the by far the weakest one of all the tracks bosses on. Facts. So facts. So it's like the, like hundred milli, cool. I understand why that one's on there. Let go of my hand. We already talked about it. Got my boy Black on it, so I'm never gonna be disappointed mm-hmm. in that one. Hunger and Hillside is just like, and then that's the that's the song that closes out the album. And I feel like, yeah, bro. I feel like, like, okay, it, like, mm, I don't know what you was thinking with this one being the, like, track listing aside. I don't mean to be that hip hop head, where it's like, because only us hip, like, true, true hip hop heads have conversations about track listing. But the way that you Thanks. list out the the way that the track list plays out is a very important factor in the vibe that people are left with, with your album. And that, like, leaving it on that one, it was like, huh. It's, it could have been it's so many other stronger tracks I would have rather this one end on. Like, I think Pride Thanks. is the Devil would have been a great track to end the album on. Hell yeah, especially especially to have Lil Baby at the end. Like, nobody even knew that he was even going to be on the album. So to have that one at the end would have been dope. Or to even have, like, applying pressure at the end or punching the clock on the end. Yeah. Like, something to leave with a bang. But when I heard Hunger on Hillside, I'm just like, ugh. Yeah. 
<sighs> like back to work tomorrow. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> hey, one, one day somebody needs to have a conversation with the fact that I think little baby and I'm, I'm not, I don't want to deter the whole pot, the whole episode by talking about this, but I mean, feel free to say what you feel about it. He needs a most improved player award because when you look at like he's he's a prime example of like how somebody can start off with maybe I don't I don't know if you ever label him as, as necessarily mumble rap, but he started adding depth into his verses. And now Lil yes. Baby be rap, like if you listen to Lil Baby when he first started versus now, the style didn't change much. But to go back to it. The content and what he what he rapped about has evolved so much. that it's just like it's not even the same motherfucker anymore, bro. Facts, yeah. facts. I fucks with a little baby. I'm really not, and I agree with what you're saying, bro. I feel like, especially now, like I think I would, I consider him a mumble rapper back in like 2017. He was definitely somebody that was not on my, on my list of artists that I'm gonna listen to when I'm in the car. Like he wasn't. Sure. But I'm trying to. Th- I don't even know what album or what song it was that he was on. That I think I forget. It might have been a DJ Khaled song or something that he was on that really got him popping and made me start listening to him then it was just seemed like like he's on every feature he's on everybody's song so it's like hard to not even hear him yeah so i mean little baby's a good artist i mean he's definitely one of the top in the game like right now as far as like you know coming out with hits and things like that so i felt like it was good to have him on the album but I don't know, bro. I just I'm I don't something with that hunger on hillside at the end just does not yeah. something with that whole song just I just I don't know. Like that song just I didn't like that vibe. Like I was yeah. just like, uh I feel it. I feel that it. was so that by far is probably my most disappointing song on the album. All right. Facts, facts. So overall, um, I mean uh, and people are still saying that, you know, cause he had teased uh the fall off. Uh, back when KOD dropped as his next album, now the off season came out. Some people are saying we still may get the fall off before the end of 2021, so we may be getting more cold. But uh, what's your what's your final rating for this album? Out of ten. Uh, out of ten, if I'm being honest, I give it an eight. If I'm being honest, I give it an eight, just because I feel like I was looking for at least that one radio song. Mm-hmm. And I would have liked to have heard like a J. Cole and a Drake song or like a, a like another superstar caliber type art. Like I would have loved to have heard like a J. Cole in the future. Yeah, like that. I, I think that shit would have been dope as fuck, bro. Like, but I mean, J. Cole is J. Cole. You know, he's I mean, he's in his own lane. You know, he has his own style. He has his own styles. Um He's versatile as hell. He's just one of the few artists that can do a little bit of everything. Like, not going to say he can sing, but he can harmonize pretty he well. Harmonize, yeah, he can harmonize his ass off. You um, know what I mean? So, I mean, he's just an artist that's in his own lane. And, I mean, I give it an 8 out of 10. I think it's a dope album, but I still feel like there was a couple things he could have done to make make it better. Yeah. I, yeah I, and I'm not too far off you. I gave it about a 7.5 out of 10. Um, and you know, he, he's still a legend. It's not like saying it's a horrible album. It's not, it's a very good album. It's a solid hip album, uh, from, from, from a legendary artist like J. Cole. But like you said, like if there would have been something from like, this is, I don't even, I think that they've like gotten so far past this, but like, I feel like the culture needs a Kendrick and J. Cole song right about now. Like, like that's just needed. Like, it's just like, 
Like that would just feel good right now. And I was hoping like Hell because yeah. the little baby that thing would. was such a surprise. And even I don't know if they changed it on Spotify by now, but when I listened to the album when it first dropped, it didn't list any of the features on the song. Yeah, so like, no. Yeah, so you you didn't know who was gonna pop up on it until you actually was listening to the song. Um and so like uh, just imagine if that last song would have been like these, like you said, a Drake or 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 a Kendrick and Cole or whatever. Like it would have been like shit. Um, but yeah. I, I feel like that that needs to happen at some point. I know a lot of people were waiting for a Cole and Kendrick album that they 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 apparently they've wanted to do it. I just think it's the label. That's when you get into the who's going to get what splits on it and whatever, and that's facts, why that, that type of shit doesn't happen. But uh, they need to just do a fucking mixtape or something. That way, nobody gets shit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You get to choose what songs you want. Y'all can go in and do what y'all want to do, and ain't got to worry about none of the politics and all that kind of shit. They act like you know it's not a, a a music. You know, it's not a music game now where you can really virtually do whatever you want. Like if you got an album with somebody and the label won't let you drop it, fuck it. We gonna do another album, make it a mixtape. You know what I mean? And then they can't do shit because it's free. Yeah, you gotta but I mean. I would like give me give me a J Cole and Kendrick. Just give me give me a, a three album, just crazy drop produced by Hit Boy, and that's that's all I fucking need. Facts, facts. Like that should like, be Fags. fucking bananas, man. But fantasy booking aside, man, uh, anything you got left, Rod? Um, nah, bro. I mean, I thought the album was great. Um. You know, J. Cole actually played ball today, bro. I was watching that shit a little bit earlier. Okay. Yeah. I don't he didn't do he didn't do nothing too serious. I think everybody was just kind of like just anticipating it just because, you know, he's always talked about wanting to play pro ball and shit. So back to what we were saying earlier before we ended, I don't I don't know, bro. I don't know if he's this is gonna be the last album he comes out with. Cause I mean, he seems like he's not really he's he's focus in the music when he wants to be focused like you can tell he was focused on this album but it's not like when he after this album drops he's going to be focused on another album or focused on still promoting this album like he's got other shit going on he's got his own sneakers he's got his own brand he's playing he's actually playing pro ball like he wanted to like he's been wanting to do so i don't think music is really a priority for him at this point and i mean hats off to him you know i mean that's what I feel like that's what these artists should use this platform for is to move on to bigger and better things and not, you know, just like when people say when you go to work, you don't go to work to keep working for the same company forever. You know what I mean? Like when you become a rapper, you don't rap to keep rapping forever, looking like Flavor Flav and shit. You know what I'm saying? Still got the clock around your neck. You damn near 65 (laughs) years old. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't you don't rap to do that you rap to elevate and become better and become a businessman i mean you got people like jay-z and Nas, who are perfect examples of that who came from nothing and we literally watched them we were kids watching them grow up from kids young adults to businessmen so i feel like that's just what j cole is for this culture and this younger generation so i mean my hat's off to him bro definitely definitely like to see his growth from being the dude who popped up on the scene with the fucking unibrow, bro. Like people forget, mm-hmm. people forget that. Like the 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 growth, mm-hmm. like it, like that he that he is now. Like he's this artist now that he's a fucking pioneer, bro. Like of this generation, he's a fucking pioneer of it, and we often forget that because we still have our, our, our most of our hip hop greats, like the J, the the Kanye's. They're still around doing shit. That it's it's easy sometimes to forget that. That that generation that came after them is are doing big things, and so 
you know, Cole deserves that. Uh, like you said, playing ball now too as well. And it's just like, man, hats off to that man, bro. Hats off to that. Facts. And, and another thing I can honestly say about J. Cole, something I really appreciate is the fact that he's remained himself. Like, he's never been one of those. I mean, I know every artist, you know, you got your different types of music that's for different types of group, different types of people, different genres of people that like might like to hear pop or some shit like that. But I feel like J. Cole has never really changed his style. He's never really changed who he was as a person or the approach that he's taken to music in general. And that's one of the things I definitely appreciate about him the most. Definitely. Well, Rob, man, give them your social media, man. Let's get the hell up out of here. Yes, sir. You guys can find me on my personal Instagram at your boy Rye on Instagram. Um, you can find me on the Blunt Effect the Podcast on Instagram as well. Hayes, I appreciate you, bro. Once again, another one in the books. You already know, bro. We make classics every time we link up, man. That's pretty Yes, sir. Period. Y'all make sure y'all go and follow and listen to my boy over at the Blunt Effect Podcast, man. We got some other shit in the works that we at. we just need to nail down and just start fucking. Like, yeah. we've been trying to nail down dates. We just need to start fucking recording, bro. Like, that's just facts. We need to start recording. Motherfuckers just going to just flood their stream. They're just going to start seeing, oh, there's a new one from these motherfuckers. Yep, every so, time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, be on the lookout for that, man. But that is it. This has been another episode of The Awakened Soul Podcast. You motherfuckers know where to follow me at. We out this bitch. Peace. Peace. All right, so that was Rod. Shout out to Rod. Great conversation there. I told you guys before we ended, we were going to be talking a little bit about the Hall of Fame class. Now, we had the 2020 Hall of Fame class ceremony. Uh, the class of 2021 has already been announced. And, you know, we may talk about that at a later date, maybe on the Breaks Radio, so be on the lookout for that. Um, but this class, uh, a great class, headlined by Tamicha Catfings, uh, Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett, uh, and, of course, one great, an amazing Kobe Bean Bryant. And so I don't mean to like disregard everyone else because that class is amazing. That is some of the golden standard and era of basketball. In my opinion, that is the era and the players that were coming up the same time that I was growing up. And like, those are the, those, that, that group of people were probably the first group that I was able to be aware of their whole careers from start to finish. Yeah. You know, well, I think Jordan was technically drafted before I was born. I'm not sure. Uh, but of course, you know, like there, there were players that I was alive for their whole careers before then, but that like I wasn't aware. And I said actively following like Kobe is around that same time as where he got drafted, where like my basketball like love was at an all time high. And like I got to see his whole career. And I talked about that. When I, uh, you know, the when I talked about the episode that I had built around just him and his career after his passing, and what he meant uh, to me personally. Um, and so I'm not going to rehash all that, honestly, because it'll get me emotional. But the thing that I wanted to talk about from this class and like you, you hear about it, we talk about it when it comes to music. We talk about it when it comes to film. You kind of always romanticize, not romanticize, but the, the era that like is your era that you came up with. You always look at that more fondly. I know we talk like you hear me talk a lot, like when it comes to basketball, how like the game is kind of watered down now and all that stuff. And, you know, my kids aren't going to have that same opinion. This is going to be this current era is going to be probably their golden era of basketball. Um, So I can't take away from that. And I don't want to make comparisons between generations and eras right now. I'm not trying to do that. But for me personally, 
Like I did, I, Tim Duncan. I used to always say was a boring player, right? And you heard me mention him earlier, like because I talk about how Baylor always compares Tim Duncan and J Cole. Um, but like because when when you're playing with players like KG, like uh, Kobe Bryant, um, it, it's like Tim Duncan was just the one that he showed up. You knew what he was going to do, but now being older, you appreciate what he was able to do with the fundamentals of basketball and how major his career was and how consistent he was and everything. And like Kevin Garnett. Uh, you know, he spoke to the the shit talker in all of us. And the fact that he wore his heart on the sleeve every game and for the majority of his career, it's not like he was playing on championship contending teams at all. But like that, that's what KG and Kobe Bryant, like I said, I have a whole episode dedicated to Kobe Bryant and, and what him he meant. Um, and then to meet your catchings. Uh, I think that you can't take away. And I know a lot of people don't, unfortunately, watch the WNBA. And that sucks because. The WNBA, for people who just love basketball, sometimes is more fundamentally sound than the NBA. And that may be a controversial statement to some people, but I don't give a fuck. That's how I feel. Um, like this, this, there's something special in this class, and especially in like Vanessa and what she said about Kobe, Michael Jordan being there. Um, and I just, I just wanted to end this show with saying thank you to these players because these are the players that I grew up loving and idolizing and everything like i said it kobe bean bryant was the first player that i hated <laughs> and i only hated him because he wasn't on my team it wasn't a personal level hate or anything like that it was just like this motherfucker is so amazing and he's not on my team um he used to kill the bulls every chance he got uh but you know that's 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 just um i just wanted to reminisce i just wanted to talk about it that class is amazing and it, it's it's it, it was a night and the evening and a ceremony that, you know, I, don't, I, I think I'm always going to remember um, for many different reasons. And so a special night um, for a group of special players, special individuals that mean so much to uh, culturally uh, in basketball and everything else. And, you know, Kobe Bryant, nothing more needs to be said there. So uh, that's it. I just wanted to take some time. Let me know what you guys think about the 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 Hall of Fame class. You know, we'll be getting a 2021 class very shortly after because, you know, it, they're kind of catching up. But uh, that's it. This has been another episode of the Awaken Soul podcast. Make sure you're following us at Awaken Soul Pod. Make sure you send us any feedback, questions, comments, concerns, theawakensoulpod at gmail.com. If you want to leave us a voicemail, you can do so at 614-547-2039. We are the number one podcast for the culture. And this week, we out. Peace. comments leave me out of nonsense speaking out of context people need some content niggas trying to keep up shit is not a contest whipping bands concept heaven sent god sent at least that's what my mom says proof is in the progress money's not an object busy than a motherfucker you know how my job get barking up the wrong tree you know how the dogs get haven't fallen off yet come with a classic they come around years later and say it's a sleeper the ears are real the petty is real might charge my ex for a feature deposit the money to brenda leticia alinda felicia she came for me twice i didn't need enough for her once you know i'm a pleaser 42 millimeter was made in geneva yeah i probably should go to yeshiva we went to ibiza yeah i probably should go live with yeezy i need me some jesus but soon as i started confessing my sins he wouldn't believe us sins 
I got sins on my mind and some M's Got a lot of M's on my mind and my friends Yeah, I keep my friends on my mind I'm in love, I'm in love with two girls at one time And they tens, that's why I got ten on my mind I got M's, got a lot of M's on my mind And my friends, yeah, I keep my friends on my mind Should repent, I need me some Jesus in my life, amen Bands and I breach it, this gun ain't gonna